I seem to have the most accurate timeline, although I think if I give it to you chronologically, it would be easier to lay it out. So there I am in the summer of 84, doing what my brother is very famous for, ghost guitar work for, for kids. All of a sudden, it's Paul that reaches out to me. I have no clue what's going on, why I'm called in, but he just asked me to bring a guitar with a Floyd Rose on it because I was very popular then. And I did the job, as, as everyone knows. Uh, no, no credit on Animal Eyes, but I played on Lonely as the Hunter and a little bit at the end of Murder in High Heels, okay? But right before I leave, Eddie, Paul looks at me. My hair was about shoulder length. I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying I was like, you know, really crazy rocker looking guy, but it was still, it's not like I looked like an accountant. But he says, by the way, don't cut your hair. And he didn't say why. And I looked at him, I'm like, okay. Hey, this is Bruce Kulick. You're hanging with the Growing Up Rock podcast with Stephen Michael and Hollywood. There's a lot of O's in there. Get your popcorn ready and crank it up with extra butter. So Hollywood, whenever the Grown Up Rock podcast is in need of a little attention, we always like to do a KISS episode because what draws in the listeners more than KISS? It doesn't even matter. This episode is about the top 10 turds that KISS took in 2023, and it'll still get people that listen. Nah, I'm just kidding. It's not about that at all. In fact, it's about the opposite of turds. We're talking about the top 10 BK KISS involved songs we're talking about bruce kulik on this episode because who doesn't love bruce if you're a kiss fan bruce is fan friendly am i right yeah bruce is all class right and i'm thinking you know at some point we will most likely do some sort of thanking the greats with bruce kulik but you know he just renounced that he's leaving grand funk we know that if he does that and he said that he's leaving grand funk to concentrate on his own legacy if he's going to concentrate on his own legacy, that means there's going to be a lot of Kiss music out there. That means he'll put new music out. And we just want to kind of get a chance to celebrate that, you know what, he actually gets the opportunity to do this because I think Grant Funk was keeping him really busy and he really didn't even have time. And the guy was, I mean, he just turned 70. He was killing himself, flying all over the country, trying to do both things. And at some point, he just can't do both things. That's right. He's going to work on his book and he's going to work on new music. And who knows what we're going to get from Bruce Kulick in the next five years? Probably a whole bunch of stuff because he does have a legacy and his legacy is mainly with Kiss and he'll admit that up front. But hey, he's done some pretty cool things on his own as Union and uh, et cetera, BK himself. So. We're going to get into all that and more, but before we do that, you know, we got to do this. It's time for the Crank It Up Music Spotlight. Okay, so for today's Crank It Up Music Spotlight, we are featuring a band called Lips, and that's L-I-P-Z. And this is a straight-up glam band, man, sleazy and glammy as hell. They're about to release their... uh, their sophomore album, their second album called Changing the Melody uh, on the 15th of March, 2024. And the first single that I'm going to feature is the one that they just recently released at the time of this recording. And that is a song called Bye Bye Beautiful. Check it out.
words like new wave of British heavy metal, prog rock, sleaze, glammy, they're not good words for me. Immediately when somebody says those four phrases, I'm just like, oh, no. (laughs) And I made a major mistake with these guys. And then I tried to correct the mistake, and it was too far gone. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, Lips, for some reason, looked it up on YouTube, and they had a video for the song. I'm like, all right, let me just watch the video and listen to the song. Oh, my God. The watching the video and listening to the song was rough. Because they are basically goofballs. They're just, and I don't think they pretend to be goofballs. I think it's just, I'm looking at this video going, come on, dude, it's 2024. What are you doing? Right? And and I just didn't enjoy it. Okay. So for the listener, because you're talking about a, a visual thing, and for the listener that doesn't have a clue about who Lips is, they're sort of face painters though, right? They paint their faces up. They're very... um to me, they're reminiscent, uh, just not as good, but they're sort of reminiscent of like a confess where they, you know, get dirty and makeup y and uh, maybe much further than that. Not quite to the kiss level of uh, face painting, but a little less. And they're labeled as a sleazy glam band because people need to put labels on it so that you understand. I like this song. I think Bye Bye Beautiful is a decent song. Uh, I got no issues with this song. I've heard a few other lip songs in the past that I liked a lot as well. So, uh, yeah, not not that bad for me. Do you really dislike the song that much? Is it the guy's vocals or is it the fact that you saw the band and that turned you off immediately? Well, seeing the band turned me off immediately. So then I was like, all right, let me just listen to the song and forget about what I just saw. So I'm listening and I'm just like, the vocal's fine. It's not super duper. And the melody's not great. So I was like, I couldn't separate the two. And like, if I was going to explain it to somebody, yeah, it's halfway between confess and kiss. They look fine. They're in shape guys. They're not fat guys or whatever. I mean, they're, they're, you know, doing their thing. But then they have kind of a twisted sister feel to them a little bit in the songwriting and the, and just the movements and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't like twisted sister very much. Like, this is doing nothing for me. I, I didn't like it. So basically, you're starting off 2024 as a curmudgeon. I, I was, uh, yeah. Well, what, what am I going to do? And, uh, something happens on, you know, January 1st, 2024 at 12.01 AM that makes me less of a curmudgeon? Come on. <laughs> so what is it with with uh, all of these genres that you hate? Are you just, Do you just like Christian rock and melodic rock now? <laughs> You don't like any of the sleaze or you've never liked any of the new wave of British heavy metal, even if it's the new wave of new wave of British heavy metal. You don't like it. Yeah. I'm not even sure I ever really liked the sleaze. Like L.A. Guns, I like the rock and they didn't have as much sleaze. But the minute it got to like faster pussycat or enough's enough, then it felt like more sleaze than rock. So I was like, ugh. And then every time I said, well, that's more sleaze than a rock. And then somebody would say, well, that's more Beatles. I'm like, well, that's part of the problem then. Because I'm not a huge Beatles fan either. I need to have a shirt. Beatles, Zeppelin, Aerosmith, Grateful Dead. Meh. Like I just need to, you know, like all the, right? Just have all the bands I think are meh. And on the back, it says Godfather. You know, and all the movies that I think that are meh. <laughs> and then at the bottom. And at the- <laughs> And at the bottom, you should just have a big, who the fuck is Sonny Finney, right? <laughs> yeah. But it's so weird because the more I hear Godsmack, I like them more. The more I hear Slipknot, I like them more. So I don't know oh, what's happening. My God. I don't know what's happening. You got to be shitting me. Holy fuck sticks. <laughs> Son, you are going in the opposite direction. You are seriously, oh man, you're losing most credibility. The more you hear a priest, you hate it. The more you like Slipknot, you like it. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Rage Against the Machine, same thing. The more I hear it, I'm like, God damn, they got something. Rage Against the Machine, I've always liked. You're, yeah. you're talking to the wrong person about Rage Against the Machine. I own all the records and I like them. I got no issues with them. And in fact, my my like for uh, Rage Against the Machine goes back to a, a pre-band that Tom Morello was in that had an album out. And I can't even remember... I can't remember what that record was called. I have to dig it out, but that band was cool. So, yeah, I, I got no worries about that. But the Godsmack and the Slipknot, Godsmack, at least I recognize, like, I like the music. It's just the guy's voice that turns me off. And the same with probably Disturbed. But Slipknot, you're not going to get me to like that. I think that's pure <laughs> shit. 
<laughs> and I don't dig it at all. Uh, so, yeah, you might want to rethink yourself. You might want to get in touch with Jesus, brother. <laughs> like what you're hearing? Share this episode out. Post it to your favorite social network and let people know you're listening to the Growing Up Rock podcast. It will help us grow and we greatly appreciate it. All right. So let's get to the meat of the episode here. We're not going to do a Bruce history lesson. You know, there's 15 million Kiss podcasts that have done Bruce history lessons. And maybe we'll, like I said, we'll do a thank you in the gray. We'll do it then. You know, we'll share. Pretty much everybody knows Bruce was officially in Kiss from 84 to 96. After he's out of Kiss, he's been involved in some things. You know, he helped on Cyclo Circus. He's played live with his own band doing Kiss songs. He's been on Kiss cruises. But lately, after the end of the road, Bruce has been very public about his disappointment of kind of how the end of the road have played out, I guess, is the best way to put it. And Bruce is playing a little bit of both sides, right? He's saying the right things about, hey, it's their end of the road. Kiss should be able to do what they want. You know, if they want to have their legacy live on and avatars power to them, they're the ones who created the legacy, blah, blah. But then in the very next comment, he'll say, but they didn't really celebrate everything about Kiss. Like they, they forgot about Eric Carr. They, you know, didn't mention me. They didn't mention some of the other folks. And I get it. You know, if Ace and Peter are not going to play with you on stage, can you have them there? So like he was trying to play both sides, but you could tell that he was disappointed with the way it was handled. Have you noticed how much it is on Facebook lately? How much, uh, what is on Facebook? That Kulik is not happy with the way end of the road ended. Like everybody's grabbing that headline for some reason. Oh, yeah, because people, I think we know by now, people like controversy. That's what sells the clickbait. That's what sells the headlines. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, it's easy to sell that aspect. But that's if you listen to the interviews, if you read the full story, he is sort of plain both sides. He, some people said he's Switzerland, but Switzerland is neutral and he's not. He's not really down the the center of the line, like you said. I mean, he had some issues with it, but at the same time, he said, look, they got every right to do it the way they want to do it. It's their thing. It's their band. They're the one that put all the blood, sweat, and tears over the years into it. So let them have their moment. It's not about Bruce, and it's not about Ace, and it's not about Peter. It's, it's, it's about Kiss as a whole. Kiss the brand, I guess, is uh, the best way to put it. Yeah, and Bruce has done a bunch of podcasts and a bunch of interviews. He said he'll probably put out new music, but he's talking about, you know, kind of his disappointments, talking about new music, talking about what he's going to do next. I would say Bruce can probably put together a band fairly quickly, especially since he's at the Mecca Musicians near Vegas, near the West Coast. That being said, Todd Kearns would probably have to be a key piece, I'm assuming. So Bruce would have to somehow navigate Slash's tour schedule. If slashes with guns, then I guess Todd's available. I don't know how, like Bruce can, I'm not saying now I'm going to take a shot at drummers and bass players. I don't mean to take a shot at drummers and bass players. Let's just, Bruce can get whoever he wants, bass player and drummer wise. Okay, so I'm sure Casada would go out with him if he wants Casada to be the drummer, and I'm sure they can find a bass player. Okay, it's really the singer that's going to matter. So if Todd isn't available, I was thinking maybe John Karabi. Like, can you think of anybody else? Like, who, who would go out with Bruce? Well, off the top of my head, I haven't thought it through because, you know, those kinds of things I have to think about. But I'm sure there are people out there that are available or that would be willing to do it. Todd Kearns is out for the next four or five months. He's he's already got commitments with Slash for 2024 uh, that I think are at least four months, maybe five abroad. So uh, he's going to be doing that. That's his his uh, commitment. So maybe the end of 24, maybe even early 25 uh, would be a possibility. It depends on what's going on there. He's already said, you know, his his go-to guys are, are Fitz and Kearns, right? The two of them. He's got the best relationship with them. He knows them well. Throw in Zach Throne into the mix of that as well. Those are his first go-to guys. But there are plenty of people, you know. Uh, it just depends. Shoot, guys like uh, Jeremy and... Ryan would do it if they weren't busy with Ace, you know, and who knows what Ace is doing. Maybe Ace is going to take some time off. You never know, although he's got a new album out, so I don't see that happening. But, you know, I don't know. Off the top of my head, it's it's uh, hard for me to throw some names out there. And I doubt Karabi's going to be available because Dead Daisy's like to work. 
Oh, yeah, I forgot he's back in the Dead Daisies. Yeah, see, the issue with Bruce is he's going to want to go out and do Kiss songs, right? So you can't, like, Jeff's not going to do something like that. You're not going to get Tony Harnell to go out with you. Like, they're not going to sing Kiss songs. Like, that's not what they want to do. So that's why he's got to kind of, and Bruce can't sing them. Like, I love Bruce. And, yes, Bruce sang a song on a Kiss record. He can't go out there and sing Who Wants to Be Lonely. Come on, guys. Like, he's not going to be able to play acoustic and sing Who Wants to Be Lonely. I I'm not even sure he would ever want to do that, have anybody hear that, to be honest. What about Joe McGinnis? Yeah, and uh, he had mentioned Joe because he had met Joe, and he knows that Joe sang on the classic 78 stuff. Mm -hmm. So, But Joe's playing with somebody, isn't he? Isn't he doing stuff? Well, Joe's got a solo country career that he he does stuff with. Uh, But other than that, I mean, he does, you know, he does the stuff with Jericho, but that's very one-off-y type stuff. Uh, so, I mean, I think Joe's available and Joe could play bass or he could play guitar and be a second guitar and he could sing, uh, because we know Joe can sing. So, I mean, it's certainly doable. I think he has somewhat of a relationship with Joe, but I'm sure that could be progressed more, so to speak. Joe's got a family, so I don't know if Joe wants to go out on the road. Yeah. And I guess the nice part about it is it doesn't have to be a big name. I love Joe, but, you know, Joe's not a marquee name either. No. But it doesn't have to be because it's Bruce's name that's going to sell it anyway. Yeah, that's right. And and Bruce said that. I mean, it's going to remain the Bruce Kulick band, right? Said something to the effect of uh, what? Bruce Kulick and the, uh, what do you call it? The mob? Oh, yeah. He was calling it the mob. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good Lord. If we went out with Russell Allen. Dude, Russell could sing all those songs. Would he could sing Kiss songs, you think? You know, guys like that, I think, are just too over the top. I don't think they're the right guys for the job. I mean, Russell can sing the phone book just like Jeff and just like, you know, a, a handful of other guys. But I don't think those kind of guys are the right guys, in my opinion, you know? Yeah. And here I am in Electric Lady Studios plugging in and recording uh, music and even some songs that I co-wrote, three songs. You know, it was just a dream come true. All right. So anyway, for the meat of the episode, what we decided to do was share a top 10 of Bruce Kulick involved Kiss songs. I made a playlist of studio songs that Bruce had involvement with. Remember, in most cases, Bruce played lead guitar with Kiss, but in some cases he played bass. Some places he did backing vocals and even did a lead vocal with Kiss. So Spotify list and sent it to you. If you want to hear the Spotify list. It's called Bruce Kulick colon The Kiss Experience. If you want to go check it out, you're more than welcome to check it out. And so I sent it over to Stephen. We left it on studio albums only. We left all the live stuff out, but, you know, Stephen might have cheated anyway. Uh, And like we always say, this is probably the top 10 for today. It could change depending on your mood. But we had quite a few songs to choose from. So let's start with a 1098, and uh, we'll go to you for your 1098. Okay, so I got a couple of questions before I just jump right into this. Uh, You did a smart thing by sending me the playlist and said, pick songs off this playlist. That right there limits me and puts it all so that you're assured to get the exact songs that you want. There's no curveballs involved. I picked off that list. Uh, And the list basically consisted of A Hot in the Shade, a couple from Animal Eyes, which I didn't realize that he had any involvement on any of the Animal Eyes. I thought that was all Mark St. John. So what is the deal with the couple that you pulled from Animal Eyes? He plays lead guitar on both of those. Mark St. John doesn't play lead on all of them. Okay. I didn't know that. That was a new educational thing for me. Asylum, Revenge. There's a handful of songs on Psycho Circus, which I think I knew that he was involved with in some way, shape, or form. Uh, And then a couple from the Greatest Hits thing and stuff like that. The point is, I stayed within that playlist, so you should be happy about that, Pooney. Did I do a good job or what? Well, yeah, you didn't mention Crazy Nights or Carnival, but I think people picked up on what you were throwing down. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's other stuff involved. I didn't, I didn't run down the list and go through everything, but yes. Yeah. Uh, so, my number ten song. Let's start with that. I tried to pick songs. Usually, when I go through these top tens, I usually try to cover something, a little something from every area. With Bruce, it would have been really easy for me to put pretty much everything. Almost everything from like Revenge and probably a ton of stuff from Asylum. I didn't necessarily do that, but I also didn't cover every record 
that was available to me. It was easy for me to come up with five really quickly and then fill in around those five. And so some of the songs I was just like, look, I can't put this song before that song. I just I can't do it. Uh, So I basically ended up just picking songs that I enjoy most out of all these albums. Number 10, coming off of Hot in the Shade, is a little tune I like to call Prisoner of Love. Number nine, coming off of Asylum. I think that we have to put this one in there. It's a classic BK song, Tears Have Fallen. And then there'll be a solo like Tears Have Fallen that I remember so clearly working out with Paul, especially the harmony parts, how it starts. And that solo being something that, you know, has just been so important to my career. So there's so many amazing things. At number eight, coming off of Crazy Nights, which is an album that for the longest time I ignored because I hated Crazy Nights so bad. But there is some good material on that record. And I put in a song called Hell or High Water that I enjoy quite a bit. So that is my 10, 9, and 8. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me one bit. Neither of those three made my list. <laughs> so... I did something similar. I'm like, I'm going to go through all these. And, you know, you could go through and say, all right, well, since you're talking about Bruce, just talk about songs that he co-wrote, which the problem is that if you do that, you're going to land on a lot more Gene songs than Paul. You're going to land on a lot of Carnival, which I don't like. Then it's like, okay, well, then just do the best solos. Well, some of these solos are only like 15 seconds. Some are 30, right? And I'm not going to sit through Murder in High Heels because I like the solo for 15 seconds. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Right. So I ended up same place. I'm like, all right, let me just go through the playlist and listen to every song and the songs I like. I'm going to really like I'm going to list down. All right. That came out to about like 19 that I'd like super duper like. Then I'm like, all right, let me pare them down from 19 to 10. That's kind of how I did it. So my number 10 was actually you make me rock hard off of smashes, thrashes and hit from 88. I mean, the song's perfect for the late 80s, you know, written by Desmond Child, Diane Warren. Bruce does like this really short fitting guitar solo and I really like X and sex too, but I just ended up choosing to make me rock hard a little bit better. My number nine was off of revenge hard of Chrome to the groove on that song. It's so awesome. And it's technically penned by Paul and Vinny and Bob Ezrin, but like Paul's vocal is perfect. The chorus is so cool and unique. And I love all the guitar fills that Bruce is doing throughout the song. And then again, a very short guitar solo that fits the song. My number eight was off of Hot in the Shade, You Love Me to Hate You. You know, for KISS fans, this is probably more of a deep cut. Another Desmond Child, Paul Stanley Pentoon. Again, great groove. You know, I can totally imagine Jen yelling at you. I love you and the more I hate you. <laughs> I love you because you're easy to love and hate probably. For Bruce, the guitar solo is like 15 seconds. But then you hear this guitar under the vocals noodling and accenting all the way through the end of the song, which was kind of cool. So I think Kiss was very careful after, you know, Vinny and Mark and all the shit they went through. It's like, all right, look, every song's got to be like four or five minutes, right? Three to five minutes, basically. Every song's got to be kind of written for radio. We don't need two-minute solos. This is not Ingve Momstein. Look, you got from here to here, go, 
right? And that's it. And then there's going to be times where you accent, blah, blah, blah. And a lot on these, what's interesting to me is on a lot of these albums, and I think it's most albums that Bruce is on, he's listed as a lead guitarist. So it kind of gives you this impression that he didn't play any rhythms. That's very difficult for me to believe that you got Bruce Kulik in your band, but he didn't play any rhythms on these recordings. I don't think that. Now, I don't know if they mean to say, okay, well, of course he's a guitar player. He played all the rhythms, but I want to let you know that he played all the leads. Or is it Paul's a control freak and he does all the rhythms and Bruce shows up to do the leads only and that's it. And then the noodling. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, You know, it seems to me back in the day, they would just list uh, lead guitar as lead guitar. It wouldn't necessarily say lead and rhythm guitar. So I can almost guarantee you that he played some rhythm guitar tracks. I doubt very seriously that all he did is come in and they punched him in for the solos and that was it. No, I don't believe that. And what's interesting is in some songs, which we'll talk about later, it'll say Bruce played all the guitars. So that makes it believe again that it's like, okay, well, if he played all the guitars on that song, then did he just do leads on the others? Well, I think it probably comes down to a situation where it's scheduling, uh, because I can definitely see where people's schedules are busy and they want to get to a certain point on a song or a certain point in the recording process. And Bruce was available. So Bruce played all the guitar for that particular song that they were working on on that day because remember the bottom line is paul's going to listen back to the to the mix and say no we need to change that or you know he's going to have veto power right they can re-record if they need to re-record but in an effort to move the process along uh you know it's as simple as hey bruce is here he's in the studio he's recording a solo we need a couple of rhythm tracks for this song he's going to do them you know so it's no big deal I would definitely believe that to be a situation that would arise when you're recording an album. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think about my ten nine eight? Oh, it's all good. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that. I mean, here's the other thing that we didn't tell the listeners. We'll say it now. Sonny and I didn't share our picks, so we might have overlap. We might not have overlap. I have no clue uh, what's going to be. You know where. Uh, so. You know, unless you're just picking all of Carnival of Souls or a bunch of ballads, pretty much everything that's on that playlist was okay with me. And in fact, let's put the X and sex just missed my list. Like, I really wanted to put that on the list, but there were too many things I was enjoying in front of that. Uh, You chose to put Make Me Rock Hard instead, but you also said you like put the X and sex. I just prefer X and sex a little bit more. That's all. Yeah, yeah. All right, share your 765. Okay, so coming in at number seven is Any Way You Slice It from Asylum. Uh, dig this song, dig the groove, dig the guitar. It's just, uh, I, I like this song. I like it a lot.
and then coming in at number six, right behind it, is another one from Asylum, Secretly Cruel. To me, this song is the closest to Throwback Kiss on this album. I mean, this song is very reminiscent to something that would have come off of Rock and Roll Over or something like that. It has that old Kiss vibe to it, especially the guitar riff and everything in Secretly Cruel just reminds me a lot of that. And I really love that song a lot. And then coming in at number five, I know some people love this song. Some people hate it. I've always loved this tune. It's on a ton of my playlist. Even my wife hears it and goes, that's Kiss. I like that a lot. And that's Domino. I dig Domino or not. I, you know, might be because I like black and blue too. I don't know. But uh, Domino is just a great song. And uh, so that comes in at number five. That is my seven, six, five. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm in the same boat that, that you are on the playlist. If it's Carnival, uh, it's a little rough. The Cycle Circus songs are okay. And then, you know, the Animal Murder, blah. Uh, but anyway, uh, besides that, I pretty much like all the songs. So, But your five, six, and seven did not make my list. So you are... <laughs> Oh for six. Yeah. We're for six. That's not a bad thing. There's no uh there's no overlap. That's cool. That's right. So far anyway, yeah. Yeah. All right. So my number seven. I had Turn on the Night, Crazy Nights eighty seven. You know, th- this is a fan favorite, you know, penned by Paul and Diane Warren. The whole song has that Diane Warren peppiness written all over it. The guitar solo is like fourteen seconds. But it's written for pop radio. I mean, that's basically what it is. Then you get another twenty seconds later on. You know, this whole thing about, you know, did he record rhythm or not? I'm sure the release police will tell us. I Whatever. Release police, you want to send us something or whatever. Okay. And number six, and I know you hate the ballads, but dude, I have to have forever on here. It's a power palette. I get it. But it shouldn't have been a number one song off of Hot in the Shade. Like, just because it has Kiss by Kiss on the goddamn Billboard Hot 100, the music industry wasn't going to let it go number one. If that thing says Bon Jovi or Michael Bolton, it's number one. Even though it was co-written by Michael Bolton, it would have been number one if it does not have the Kiss moniker. And that's unfortunate. Bruce does play bass on this one and does that beautiful acoustic guitar solo that you've heard. I gotta tell you what I'm feeling inside. I could lie to myself, but it's true. There's no denying when I look in your eyes. Girl, I'm Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. And then my number five is King of Hearts, also from Hot in the Shade. This one's actually written by Paul and Vinnie Pontia. It's one of my favorite Kiss songs that no one ever mentions. Again, very unique chorus, especially in the backing vocals. Bruce only gets 20, 25 seconds for the solo. But, you know, I love Fast Kiss, so uh, King of Hearts and that groove works for me. So my 765 or Turn on the Night Forever and King of Hearts. And I know you don't like ballads, but come on, you got to give it up for forever. Yeah, I don't mind forever, actually. That's definitely one of the songs I do not mind uh, as a ballad. King of Hearts, I knew was going to be on your list. I know that you have a lot of love for that. And one thing I will say that was a little bit surprising is how far back Heart of Chrome was for you, because I know you like that song a lot, too. So I was a little bit surprised that wasn't further up in the mix uh, than where it fell. And then Turn On The Night is a good tune. That that was actually when I grouped my songs from the albums and I had a group of, uh, I think I had a group of three from Crazy Nights. That was one of the three, if I'm not mistaken. But Hell or High Water ended up uh, winning out for me. Yeah, I was wondering on Forever, right? Let's say it doesn't have the Kiss tagline, but it's a Paul Stanley solo song instead. I don't know if it doesn't go number one, to be honest. You know as well as I do that a lot of times it's all about timing, right? It's what's it up against at the time. And, you know, it's just it's it's so many other factors than just the song itself, Uh, because if that was the case, I mean, how many songs over the course of history didn't even crack the top 100? And you're like, how the hell is this not a, a top 100 song or a top 10 song? It's just there's too many factors involved, uh, which radio stations are on board and uh, what what it's up against and et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah, Forever is a great song. It's it's one of those songs. There's a handful of songs by Kiss that I don't necessarily I mean, I guess they're ballads, but at the same time, they're not. It's not that, uh, what, what what was that hunk of crap? And it was on your playlist. It's on this. Oh, nothing can keep me from you uh, off of uh, Psycho Circus. Oh, you're talking about uh, Finally Found My oh, Way. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. I mean, <laughs> the, there are two different types of, uh, uh, you want to call them ballads, that's fine. There's two types of ballads from Kiss. There's Forever and there's those unks of crap like that that are just freaking awful. Like Forever, I like. I like Hide Your Heart. I guess Hide Your Heart's a little bit uh, more upbeat. But, you know, just there's a handful of Kiss songs, Million to One, et cetera, uh, that, are, that are good you know, slower tunes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. My problem with it and I'm never going to be able to let it go. Fucking every rose has its thorn was number one. I'm never going to be able to let that go. So anytime I hear a Y&T song, I'm like, and every rose has its thorn was fucking number one, but nobody's heard rescue me. Come on. (laughs) Brett at the time could sell that song better than Paul Stanley at the time. And it's a simplistic song, and it connected with a lot of people. And, you know, it's, it was a huge hit. And I don't, again, I don't know what it was up against at the time, but it is what it is. So don't beat yourself up about it, buddy. <laughs> All right. Share your four, three, two. All right. Getting to my four, three, and two. So coming in at number four, I've always said that I dug this tune as long as we've talked about Kiss, I've dug this tune. I've heard people say that they don't like this tune. I don't understand why. Coming off of Asylum, it kicks off the record, King of the Mountain. The record starts off with, with King of the Mountain, which is a really huge song for the Kiss fans of the non-makeup era. You know that. There's just something that is right about it for the Kiss. And, the, and you know, the, the lyrically, 
then to start out with the thunderous drums from Eric, and then it just is real catchy. I've always dug this tune. I like Fast Kiss. I don't have a problem. I love Eric's drums at the beginning. I love the riff. I don't have a problem with the chorus. I like King of the Mountain. So that comes in at number four for me. Coming in at number three, we have the first one off of Revenge for me. And what is better than a stripper song? Take it off. God, I love this song. I love the the slow kind of uh, prodding groove at the beginning, and then it kicks in. And uh, yeah, I, I like going to the local titty bar. <laughs> I, did that, I did that a lot in my earlier days. Uh, what's not to love about it? So yes, I like Take It Off from Revenge. It's a fantastic song at number three. And coming in at number two, another song that I have professed my love for many, many times in many different episodes. Coming off of Hot in the Shade, I have always loved Rise to It. And I don't care if it's Cinderella Kiss. I don't care whatever anybody wants to say. I dig Rise to It. It's a killer tune. And that is my number two. So at number four, King of the Mountain. And number three, Take It Off. And at number two, Rise to It. That is my four, three, and two. I love those songs. They didn't make my list. <laughs> so you are 0 for 9. We didn't share our list, and we are 0 for 9. That's crazy, man. I am really, really surprised. Watch our number one is going to be the same. Our number one will not be the same. I got a feeling your number one will be my either three or four, depending. Okay, so. You think my number one is definitely, you got my number one on your list, you think? Yeah, yeah, but not at number one. All right, so my four, three, and two. I'm going to go because right now I haven't shared any songs except for Paul songs. And that's just an 80s kiss. And yes, everybody says it. Gene songs are no good in 80s kiss, blah, 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 blah. It's got really nothing to do, in my opinion, with Gene songs or shit because I don't think Gene songs are shit in the 80s. I just think Paul's vocal and Paul's melody writing and Paul's delivery is untouchable from like 83 to 92. Dude, he is on fucking fire. And that's when I got into him. So Paul, because I got into Kiss at the same time, at that time, Paul was my guy when it came to vocals. From the original Four Ace is my guy because a persona kind of fits me a little bit more to a T than Paul's does. But so at number four, I got my first Gene song, and that's No, No, No from Crazy Nights. You know, we're talking, you got 49 seconds of, of Bruce showing off at the start of the song. He doesn't get that much time usually. The song was written by Gene, Eric Carr, and Bruce. And all the guitars you hear are supposedly all Bruce. Surprised, you know, with Paul's control issues that he would allow that. But I guess, like you said, if he comes back, listen to it and say, well, I can't do no better. Leave it like it is, right? When I hear people say 80s Gene sucks, I'm like, have you heard no, no, no? And if they say yes and it still sucks, I'm like, then you haven't heard it. Because that, that song doesn't suck. The entire four minutes. Four minutes, 18 seconds. That's how long that song is. Is basically Bruce's business card to be a rock guitarist for the rest of his life. Because he is just all over the place on that thing.
The only reason it hit number four for me, though, is the song ends a little weird. It just kind of ends. It, I wish it would have kind of like faded out possibly, right? But that's for another day. So can I respond to that? Sure. Everything that you said about no, 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 I had no, 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 no on my list. And I'm kind of like, how do you not put this on the list if we're talking about PK? Because it has a whole solo up front and the solo up front is awesome. Bruce just, you know, he lays it down. It's killer. Overall, at the end, for me personally, and I like No, No, No as a song, but I don't love it. So the song itself, I, I just, uh, there were other songs I liked more, which is why it didn't make my list. But you're right for putting it on your list as far as like a BK calling card, you know. So I just, I wanted to respond to that. Yeah. My number three also has Bruce playing all the guitars, Unholy, From Revenge, uh, songs written by Gene and Vinny. And if you remember, this was a song that brought Gene back to the demon, right? Leaving the golden girl look behind and coming back to the demon. And, you know, the sound of the whole song is kind of evil. Even the guitar solos got kind of a horror vibe to it. And the groove is absolutely undeniable. So if you listen to Unholy and No, 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 and you don't think Bruce could have played in the same mecca that some of these other 80 guitarists were playing in. And I'm not saying Bruce is Satriani. I'm not saying Bruce is Vi. I'm not saying Bruce is Eddie Van Halen. I'm talking about most 80s guitarists that came off of all those guys and were trying to play fast. Bruce could play in that environment. And if you listen to these two songs, it's like, all right, Bruce deserved to be in the game. And my number two, I'm a huge Asylum fan. It's my only Asylum song. But I, like I said, I love Fast Kiss, and my number two was I'm Alive. It's written by Paul and Desmond and Bruce. Bruce is absolutely flying on the song. It's a total onslaught. I mean, yes, the solo only lasts 20 seconds. Who cares? But being kind of a brother song to Under the Gun off the prior album and Mark doing his thing on Under the Gun, hearing Bruce do it on I'm Alive, I'm like, oh, my God. I, I remember when I first got the album, I'm like, Jesus, this is fast as fuck. It is so cool without having to be G.I.T. techie. It was cool fast or without having to be all classical up like Ingve was doing and that kind of shit. It was just it seemed like a blue collar fast, if that makes sense. And uh, I always love the song. And that's why it's my number two. So no, no, no. At four unholy at three. I'm alive at two. What I figured is your number one was unholy, but I'm guessing on that. Okay, you want to introduce my number one? Uh, sure. Is it unholy? I was head through the ages, chase next to the cages. I have seen you eat your own. I'm the cycle of You know I couldn't leave that off the list. Come on, man. You got to be an idiot to leave that off the list. Yes, coming off the Revenge album kicks the whole thing off. I absolutely love Unholy, and it would be completely unholy to leave this song off of a top 10 Hulick playlist. So, yeah, Unholy is my number one. I absolutely love it. Love everything that you said about it. Uh, I feel the same about it. It's just a killer track. And my number one is technically another power ballad, but I'm going to go with Reason to Live. Again, another Paul and Desmond Pentoon should have been number one. Perfect chorus. Like, you know, okay, Crazy Nights comes out in 87, so it's a year after Slippery When Wet. Slippery When Wet's a Desert Island album for me. To me, Reason to Live is better than three-fourths of the songs are on Slippery When Wet. So why why didn't it deserve to be number one? Like, even the 20-second guitar solo you got's got a total hum of a, like vocal melody. There's perfect guitar fills. 
you know, the, these guitar fills he does at the 259 mark and the 309 mark when it's a everybody's got a reason to live, right? Like they're just little things, but I always look forward to those nuggets. And, you know, if you get the wrong shithead playing guitar on this song, wrong shithead equal Vinny, completely ruins the fucking song, right? So it's like, there's no way Ace could have done this. There's no way Mark could have done it. There's no way Vinny could have done it. I'm not sure Tommy could have done it. I'm not a huge black and blue fan, so I don't know. All I know is Bruce did it perfectly. I absolutely love Reason to Live. Always have. So reason to live is the same as forever for me. These are uh, what I would consider good, good ballads, good kiss ballads and everything like that. I would never put it at number one. You need to settle down on that. Putting it above unholy. Are you crazy? But, uh, you know, you do you, boo. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> do we really need two ballads in a top 10 list? Come on, yes. man. Yes. Oh, my God. Hold on. Let me get your purse out. Anyway, yeah, whatever. <laughs> So that's the distinct difference between you and I. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to hear what Bruce thinks his top 10 are, uh, because I don't know that he's ever said, and I I don't know that anybody's ever asked him. I think he would probably roll his eyes at most of the songs on my list, you know, just in terms of, really, you think that's the best? But like I said, I, I chose it from just my pure listening enjoyment. These are the songs I, I enjoy most. And, uh, you know, whether he had a hand in writing it or whether he just played on it, I, you know, I, I didn't even check any of that. I just said, these are the songs I enjoy most. I didn't pay attention to whether it was Paul or Gene uh, singing, although I know I have some of both. So, these are the 10 tunes that I enjoyed most at the moment that we recorded this episode, and that could all change a week from now. Who knows? It's all good. All right. So before we get our final thoughts on Bruce, let's uh, really connect it to KISS. Hey, Hollywood. You know what time it is. Let's connect it to KISS. You wanted the best, and you got the best. The hottest band in the world, KISS. So for the Kiss Connection, which we've been basically talking about Kiss the entire time, we stuck to the studio albums for our top 10, but I wanted to share a live recording that I absolutely love. So this song is an Ace era song. And you know, Ace is who he is. I've dubbed the saying slop delicious, right? The guy's sloppy and delicious. He always has been. So sometimes it's hard to do what Ace is doing. I think Bruce does a wonderful job converting this song to an unplugged version. So here is Paul. Gene, Eric Singer, and Bruce Kulick from Kiss Unplugged with Sure Know Something. Just check out the acoustic guitar troll. It was awesome. (laughs) 
I told you I went out and uh, picked up this record because I didn't own it for the longest time. Over the course of this podcast, you probably we probably played every song just about off this uh, record. It's a great record, man. Sure knows something. I'll call it popalicious because I think that's a really good pop tune. Yeah. Um, all right. So final thoughts. And like I said, we'll probably do a thank in the greats at some point with Bruce. But I've had the pleasure of meeting Bruce a couple of times. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a couple of times. Bruce is 100% class. There is no doubt. Even with this latest thing about, hey, I'm not super happy about how End of the Road ended and how they kind of handled blah, blah, blah. He's still class. The guy's doing it with not ill intent. He's just sharing his opinion. And what's interesting is the Kiss Army would tell you he's Switzerland and he never shares his opinion. And now the guy shares a little bit of opinion. Oh, he's taking shots. It's like, dude, fucking Kiss Army's never going to be happy. That's just how they are. From the original four, I said before, I'm an ace guy. Ace was the persona I connected with best. To me, Bruce is the best guitar player Kiss has ever had. If Bruce is listening, man, thank you for being the guy that introduced me to Kiss in 1985. I've been listening to your era absolutely nonstop my whole adult life. I am one of the 13 people left on this planet that probably likes 80s Kiss better than 70s Kiss. And I'm super excited for what the future holds for Bruce and I'll be there when he figures out what he's going to do for his Kiss legacy and their fans. Like if he's out there doing shows and tours the country and plays 25 shows, I'm going to try to make two or three of them. If he decides to be on Mork because he gets the opportunity, well, shit, I'm already going to be on Mork. There's no way I'm going to miss those song, uh, those shows. If he decides to do the pre-party, I'm not going to miss the pre-party. Like whatever it is, I'm going to try to make it. I know a lot of he does a lot of stuff in L.A. and Vegas. That makes it tough. But I'm going to try to make it if I can because I love the guy. What are your final thoughts on Bruce? Yeah, I think as crazy as the KISS army is and with the amount of opinions that come out of those KISS camps, is there a more liked individual than Bruce or Eric Carr that was part of KISS? I don't think there is. I mean, sure, you can say Paul and Gene and Ace and Peter, the original four, but, uh, you know, I've never really heard KISS fans throw a bunch of mud at Eric or at Bruce. And that's saying something. For the majority of folks, I think uh, Bruce and Eric both are just, uh, they're great people. God rest his his soul, uh, Eric Carr. uh, I had the opportunity to meet him. I've met Bruce on a few different occasions. He's been nothing but nice. And maybe one day we'll have him on the podcast because uh, certainly there's no reason why he shouldn't be on this podcast as well. And uh, who knows? Who knows what kind of uh, crazy show we can put together and have Bruce on to take part in. But I like this era of Kiss because for me, I got into Kiss around Creatures of the Night. So really, we're just starting to get into that whole Creatures, Lick It Up, Animalize, Asylum. I was there for all of that. So I really enjoy uh, that era of Kiss uh, that Bruce took part in. So yeah, that's it. Those are my top 10. That's our Bruce Kulick uh, story. And 
that's about all we got to say about that. So let's wrap this thing up. Is there anything else you want to add before we get up on out of here, Mr. Pooney? Yeah, first I'll add, you know, thanks for listening. Thanks for all the feedback. Keep bringing it. And then I'll share my opinion on something. I have heard at times Bruce doesn't play the love gun solo right. Like they got to stop doing, you know, Kiss songs because he doesn't do the love gun solo right when he was in Kiss in the 90s and the 80s. Right. And I remember thinking, how the fuck is he supposed to play it like Ace? First of all, Ace is fucking hammered. Second, his bracelets are hitting the guitar when he's doing the solo. His rings are hitting the strings when he's doing the like how the you can't possibly be that sloppy on purpose. That's an art. Nobody can learn how to be that sloppy. They even tell Tommy he plays it too clean. Of course, his bracelets and rings aren't hitting every fucking string when he's trying to do the solo. That's why. Right. So I love Ace. There's nothing wrong with Ace. But you can't ask some other guitar player to be Steve Vai. You can't ask him to be Tommy Thayer. You can't ask him to be whatever. They're all their own guy. And I don't think Bruce ever went out of his way to try to exactly copy the Love Gun solo anyway. He knew he couldn't do it, didn't want to do it, did something else. And I was good with that. So there's my soapbox. fucking kiss army and that's all he's got to say about that look i like the music i don't really care about uh this guy or that guy in the band or the legacy or whatever if you're making good music i'm gonna dig it and i'm gonna support you and it helps that if you're a nice person to your fans then all the much better because nobody wants to support an asshole so (laughs) that's true (laughs) that's right so with that in mind until next week see ya later it's time to shuffle rattle and roll us out of here get ready to turn it up make sure you hit that follow button to subscribe to Growing Up Rock Podcast so you don't miss an episode. Growing Up Rock is a proud member of the Pantheon Network. Pantheon is the place for music lovers. Check us out along with many other great music podcasts on the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.